Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Great to see everybody. Come on, help me welcome all of our locations, all of our campuses and churches right now. We're so glad that you're with us today and we're kicking off a brand new series this weekend that I'm really, really excited about entitled Above the Sun. And I just want to say that uh, the truths that we're going to be unpacking in these next few weeks, I, I think that, you know, like after Jesus and salvation and, you know, you're establishing your personal time with God and being filled and led by the Holy Spirit, I think this is absolutely crucial uh, to you experiencing what Jesus calls the abundant life for you living a life where you're truly satisfied in Christ. And what I'm gonna talk about over the next uh, few weeks, um, it's something that has to be learned. Uh, It's what the Apostle Paul calls, uh, it's it's a secret. In other words, to really understand it and and, and know it, it it takes some some effort, it's kind of hidden. And uh, so we're gonna talk about that secret in these next few weeks. I want to say this. Look, I'm going to, there's three things that go with this. I'm only hitting one of them today, okay? And so you really need to come back because it's one of those series that that each Sunday kind of sets up the next Sunday, okay? It's going to be great. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Ecclesiastes or your, uh, if you have your Bible on your iPhone. How many of you, you know, how many of you have ever looked into the book of Ecclesiastes or read the book of Ecclesiastes? Let me, let me see a, a, a show of hands. Have you noticed it's kind of a different book? It's a little bit strange. And the things in there, there are some things that King Solomon says in there, they're, they're kind of odd. And so I, I, I want to unpack that for you and, and give you the right way to view Ecclesiastes and uh, it's really, really going to help you. And so uh, my title for today's message is A Shirt and a Sandwich. A Shirt and a Sandwich. How many of you guys, that's like a men's conference message, isn't it, right there? A Shirt and a Sandwich. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you. And Lord, I help, us to, help us to lean in these next 30 or 35 minutes, God, the truth that we're gonna unpack from your word uh, in this series is so, so important. It is life-changing. And uh, so, Lord, we are, we're ready to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. So, so let me give you a little context here before we go to the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're gonna start off right there in chapter one. Uh, verse one, but King Solomon, David's son, King Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And you might know that he not only wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, but he also wrote Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And he also wrote Proverbs. And uh, if you know the story of Solomon, Solomon was the king that, that God said, hey, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And instead of asking for riches or, or power or anything like that, Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, hey, because you asked for wisdom, I'll give you everything else. And that shows you right there that the key to really having everything else 
come on, is having God's wisdom, which the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is why we teach it at celebration, seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. And so Solomon wrote these three books and scholars tell us this, that Song of Solomon, if you've read that, you know, that's the, that's the romance book. And it's a very positive book and hope springs eternal and it's all about love and passion. It's a very positive kind of rosy outlook on life. And scholars say that, that Solomon wrote that kind of at the beginning of his reign. And then he wrote Proverbs that we all know is just full of wisdom. And, and they say when he wrote Proverbs, he was kind of at the height of his political reign and, you know, the, the, his intellectual savvy, so to speak, is, you know, people from all over the world would come to hear his wisdom. But then Ecclesiastes, they say, Solomon wrote at the end of his life after he had, you know, experienced all these things. And if you know the story of Solomon, I mean, he was the wealthiest man that ever lived. I mean, not only did he have all the money in the world, the Bible says, listen to this, he had a thousand wives and concubines, a thousand wives, which, you know, so when I read Proverbs, and it's true, absolutely, but Solomon's saying, hey, be happy with your own wife. You know, don't chase after any other wisdom. You know, you're kind of like, yeah, that's easy for you to say. You had like a thousand wives. I mean, could you even get to all of them by the time you died? That was a joke. In fact, the reason why Solomon needed, he actually needed a thousand wives because he wanted to ensure when he came home at the end of the day that at least one would be in a good mood. <laughs> Carrie and other female staff told me that was an okay joke to say. I want to let you know I was very fearful <laughs> of saying that, but they told me I should say it anyway. It's a joke. But it's very interesting. So, so if you think about this, at the beginning of his reign, man, everything's, you know, it's love and passion and Song of Solomon. Everything's great. And then he kind of gets to the height of his political reign, you know, and he comes in with all this deep wisdom that God's given him. And then now watch. Now he's coming to the end of his reign. And he's looking back on his life. And here's how he starts out this letter, this book, Ecclesiastes. Look at, look at verse one in chapter one. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Look, meaningless, exclamation point. Meaningless, exclamation point. Says the teacher, look, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. How many of y'all think Solomon was having a bad day here? I mean, come on, meaningless, but, you know, okay, we're going to put, you know, like, meaningless, eh, meaningless, eh, everything meaningless, eh, like, all right, we, 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 we get it, okay, well, we, we don't really get it yet, but we, we see that you're very, you know, passionate about telling us that everything is meaningless, and then, which is kind of an odd thing to say with all he's experienced. But now, but now here's the key, and this is what we're gonna unpack in this series. Look, he says, what do people gain? That word is the same like a financial return. What, what is the return you get? What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil 
under the sun. Everybody say under the sun. This phrase, under the sun, is used 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's under the sun. And it's very interesting that the word for God that Solomon uses in the book of Ecclesiastes is Elohim instead of Yahweh. Yahweh is God's relational name, his covenantal name. That's what he's called in in all the other books, especially after his covenant with Israel. Elohim, that's God's like impersonal name, like he's distant, he's, he's detached. Are you following me? That's why every weekend at Celebration, we introduce people to Jesus so God will go from being Elohim to Yahweh to them where they have a relationship with God. They're not detached from God. They're not distant from God. God doesn't want you detached or distant. He wants you in a relationship and a covenant with him. That's what Jesus died for. So here's the thing. Solomon uses this language under the sun. He uses this name for God, Elohim, which means like we're detached from him, we're distant from him. So it's obvious what Solomon is doing here. He's writing most of Ecclesiastes from a this world perspective. That if you're just working for what's under the sun, if you're just toiling for what this world can give you, if you are are spending your pleasures and pursuits to get a return from this world. In other words, if all of your energy is about what you can get out of this life, this world under the sun, all of those efforts are gonna one day be meaningless. And he spends a lot of the book unpacking this. You know, what is it? You make all this money and you build all this stuff and you have all, and then you die and it's all gone. And somebody else takes it. And what is it if you, you, know, you, you spend your life and you're working sun up to sun and, you do, uh, and then you get to a point in your life and, and you look back and like you've done all these things but like under the sun, if it was just for this world, what does it really matter because this world is passing away? So the answer here when he says, what, look, what do people gain? What's the return on investment? What's the return from all their labors at which they toil? under the sun, just for this world, just for this earth, what do you gain? Nothing. It's all meaningless. Without God, it's all meaningless. It's it's nothing. What Ecclesiastes is, it's a really sober look at how people pursue pleasures and things in this world and really what the return is gonna be when they start to get to the end of their lives. So what's the solution? He says, okay, well, you know, everything in this world is meaningless. Under the sun is meaningless. So, so okay, well, how, how do we have gain? How do we get meaning out of our jobs and what we're doing and, and all those kind of Things. How, 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 how do we do that? You know, it reminds me um, of when uh, you guys, y'all know that I did a lot of mission work in the Amazon jungle in Andes Mountains, right? Back in the day. 
I've told you almost, I've told you about all the giant anacondas that have attacked me that I've killed with my bare hands. I've told you about those, right? To how I swam across the rivers, piranhas were trying to eat me, and at the same time I was fighting off vampire bats and how I had to crawl through quicksand, and then a witch doctor tried to kill me, and, and did I tell you? All those stories that I tell y'all are true. I just want y'all to know that. No, those aren't true, but I do have some crazy stories. But I remember when I started going down to, uh, to the high jungle. So the high jungle down in South of America around uh, Peru and Bolivia, it's where the Amazon kind of meets the Andes Mountains. And um, for several months out of the year, the way the Pacific Ocean, the, it's the coast and the currents and the temperature and the mountain and the jungle and all that, for several months out of the year, it's covered in these really low clouds, really dark, really dense low clouds. And you can go for months without seeing the sun. And the first couple of times I, I went down there, it was at the time of the year where there were, there, they didn't have this cloud cover and it was beautiful and it was awesome and I loved it down there. And then I remember I went the time of the year for the first time and it had this cloud cover and I'm like, where's the sun? They're like, oh man, we're not gonna see the sun for like three months. This cloud cover hangs and it was low and it was dark and it was dense and it, 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 made, it made everything seem just kind of dirty and dull and man, it was real depressing and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And it was almost like, man, I'm, I'm here in the Andes in this beautiful place, but like, it doesn't even feel like that. This is like real dark and, and depressing. And I'll never forget, uh, we were flying out of this place, Maldonado, to another uh, Puerto Maldonado, the cursed door. That's where I was preaching. We were flying out of there to another town. And I'll never forget, we, we took off, and this is back in the day. This is when they had Air Peru. That's a whole nother story. Air Peru. You better be prayed up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so I remember we, 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 we took off, man, and we we're in the low, dense, dark clouds and turbulence, shaking, and then all of a sudden it was like, whew, and we just shot up above the clouds. And the sun was out. And all the mountains, I saw all the peaks of the mountains and the snow and the beauty. And it was like, oh yeah, I'm in the Andes Mountains. This place is beautiful. It was like because for weeks I had been under these clouds in the dark, depressing, seemed dirt, uh, dirty. It's, it's kind of like I forgot where I really was. And that's like many of us with our life under the sun or under the clouds, the pain, the disappointment, the setbacks, all of the stuff that we have to deal with in this life, if we're not careful, we'll forget who we belong to, where we really are, what the reality is. Are you following so what's the, the solution? If, if, if our life goes on under the sun, the only way to have true meaning in this life under the sun is to have an above the sun perspective. And that's what God wants to bring into our focus 
over these next few weeks that yes, life under the sun, I mean, you, we'll, we'll read it in Ecclesiastes. You know what? It's painful. It's disappoint, disappointing. There's setbacks, man. All kind of problems, all kind of stuff. But you know what? Jesus says you are seated in heavenly places with him. So you need to remember, even though, watch, even though our life is under the clouds, God's called us to live above the clouds. And what Jesus is saying to some of you, you better fasten your seatbelts because your seat is next to me and you're seated above the sun. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And the only way to get true meaning and true satisfaction out of life under the sun is to live life above the sun with a heavenly perspective because nothing, watch, nothing under the sun, it can't, it can't satisfy you. It really can't do anything for you. You know the Bible says that God's placed eternity in our hearts. Do you know what that means? That means you have a universe-sized hole on the inside of you. And even if you were able to consume the entire world, you would wake up the next day wanting more. The everything in this world, that's what, everything's meaningless. Everything, if you had every experience, all the money, everything, you experience everything that this world has to offer. You know what, you'd wake up the next day and you'd say, I want more. There's no satisfaction by pursuing life under the sun with a this world only mentality. Come on, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And God, listen, some of you, you're gonna break through the, the clouds in this series. Come on, you can clap a little bit better than that. I'm telling you, God's about to do a, he's about to do a shift. <laughs> He, he's, he's about to do a shift. Okay, so watch. How do we do that? That all sounds great, Stovall. How do we do that? I'm so glad that you asked. How do we, if our life is under the sun, then how do we live above the sun? Look at this, 1 Timothy. I don't know if y'all can handle this. Are y'all sure you want me to preach this? You might not like it, but I'm telling you, it'll set you free. Okay? Look at this. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. Look. But godliness with contentment is what? Great game. So what did Solomon say in Ecclesiastes? What is there to gain? By all this toll and pursuits and chasing them under the sun. Nothing. Well, here Paul is telling you, here's how to get a return on your life, under the sun, because your life is under the sun, but you've gotta live above the sun. Here's how to get a return. Here's how to be happy. Here's how to be filled. Here's how to experience that abundant life that we look at as mystical, that somehow we look at as having more. See, so many people, they base their walk with God on getting relief instead of glorifying God. If our goal and chief aim would be to glorify God, listen, God wants to give us relief, but our aim needs to be to glorify him. So Paul says, godliness with contentment, are y'all ready for a definition of contentment? Yes. 
Help me out over there. We got to get some people ready for this. Okay, thank you. Contentment. Look, an inward state of peacefulness or happiness. You ready? Accepting as adequate and sufficient despite wanting more or better. A mind that has accepted its current lot or state in life. A mind that's not always striving for more or better or different. That's why the only way that contentment can work is if you first have godliness. Because godliness, think about this, godliness is about becoming, okay? Wanting more or different or better, it's about finding. Let me ask you this, are you, is your life based on finding or becoming? Come on, if you're a single person, are you constantly, you're trying to find You've got all your goals, all your expectations. I gotta be married by this age. I gotta complete this. I gotta do that. I gotta, and you're, you're out there. You're trying to find that right person. Are you focused on finding or are you focused on becoming the right person yourself? Do you see? Are you, are we focused on finding or are we focused on becoming? That's what godliness is. Godliness is, is, is becoming whatever state or season I am. Watch, I'm gonna accept this this is my life right now. This is where I am right now. It's okay, watch. It's okay to believe God for more or different or better. But there's a tension there. There's also this contentment that even though, hey, I'm believing and I know I trust in God's faithfulness and he's gonna get me through and all this, you know what, here's what I know. In this current state, I can have peace. I can have Jesus. I can have the grace of God. God is with me. This is my life right now, whether I like it or not, but God's grace is sufficient for me. Now look at this. Oh my gosh. For we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of it. Oh my gosh, verse eight, should I say it out loud? But if we have food and clothing, food and clothing, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know what he's saying? As long as you have a shirt and a sandwich, We have all these expectations. I'm just assuming you got your shorts on, all right? I'm preaching in church. But here's what he's saying. How many things do we think we need in order to be happy? 
We got to have this kind of job and this kind of spouse and this kind of life and this kind of future and this kind of health and this kind of this and this kind of that and no pain. I need relief from this. I need relief from that. I need relief from him. I need relief from her. I need all these things. Let me get everything just right, perfect. And then I can be content for 30 minutes. Because life under the sun, it's nothing but curveballs. It's nothing but, oh, where did that come from? It's pain. It's disappointment. What do you need in addition to Jesus to be content? Paul says, you really just need a shirt and a sandwich. Come on, can you give God a hand for that? Hey, so watch, okay, so watch. How many of you feeling pretty good about you? You got more than a shirt, you got more than a sandwich, you got jobs, you got family, you got people that love you, come on. Do you see? It's all about perspective above the sun. Look, look, uh, look what he says. Go to uh, Philippians, Philippians here. Look at this. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned. Everybody say learned. This is what we're doing these next three weeks. We're gonna learn this secret. We're gonna learn this secret. I'm telling you, here's the thing. You're you're wanting a, a better life. You've already got it. You've already got everything. I want a bigger house. You already got a mansion in heaven. It's great. If God bless you, if you get a bigger house, that, that's fine. But you don't need that. Look, I have learned to be content, satisfied, whatever the circumstances. Everybody say whatever the circumstances. Look, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Look, I have learned the secret. It's a secret. We're going to unpack this secret. This is your secret to life. It's the secret that if the Jags have another losing season, you don't lose your salvation. Look, I've learned the secret of being content. Look, in any, everybody say any. In every, everybody say every. Any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This is Paul. Think about Paul's life. Think about his life under the sun. You talk about not according to plan. You see what I'm saying? Watch. We expect way too much from this life under the sun. Way too much. So here's the first of three things. If we're gonna learn this secret, if we're gonna live above the sun, here's what I'm telling you today. You have to right size your expectations. You have to right-size your expectations. You know what Paul was doing for us in 1 Timothy chapter 6? He was helping us right-size our expectations. You know why the divorce rate is so high? Who, who did you think you were marrying? 
What did you think marriage was? What, what, what? You know, that's what, you know what the door, because when people get married, you know what? They have expectations. He's going to do this, or she's going to do that. In fact, marriage, and so here's what happens. You, what happens? It never goes the way you plan it. Life doesn't do that. Life under the sun does not operate according to your rules or desires. So what happens? All of a sudden, this person changes or this or that and all this kind of stuff. And then you start thinking, hmm, I kind of said I would because you said you could. And now that you can't. we set on our spouse. Let me, let me help you out. You understand with your spouse, you can't control your spouse. Carrie's been trying to control me for years. <laughs> she finally got content. She did. She did. You know, Carrie and I go to counseling. You know that? I believe counseling should be preventative, not in a crisis. I think everyone should go to counseling. So we, we have somewhere, our staff goes to counseling. I think it's part of your health. You, everyone needs a counselor. Holy Spirit's a counselor. Everybody needs things to, to talk out. Carrie and I were in counseling. We were t- talking with our counselor. And, and it was, they, they came to, she had this uh, revelation. She said, you know what I've realized about Stovall is um, he's selfish. <laughs> but then she said this. She said, but you know, he's not self-centered. He's selfish but he's not self-centered. Come on, guys, I'll take it. I'll take 50% all day. (laughs) Do you see? (laughs) Do you see? You're like, okay, so how did that work out? That's how I am. She's content. She's accepted me. But watch, she can't control. I've got to become a better husband. I got to become a better. Look, to me, what, what? Stop trying to find the next different or better or this or that and start becoming the person that can trust God with what he's given you right now. Man, we have, we have expect, we put expectations on our kids. We put expectations on ourselves. We put expectations on, on, on our job, on, on, on our image, on how much money we make. And especially in, in this world, I mean, the media, social media, all the shows, it's American Idol. It's whatever. It's, you know, seeing this and you're a star. It's be famous. I had one uh, uh, person, one young person one time say, I want to be famous. I was like, all right. I said, what are you going to do? And uh, she said, nothing. I'm just going to be famous. <laughs> I said, you, to be famous, you got to do something. You know, I'm thinking of athletes, and, you know, got to get in a movie or something like that. And she said, oh, no. And she started rattling off all these names. And she was right. I was like, yeah, they did nothing to become famous Except you know what they did? They chose popularity over God's purpose and they sacrificed their morals and they sacrificed who they were to try to get a return under the sun. And I'm telling you, it's not gonna fill that universe-sized hole on the inside of them. There's not enough fame or popularity or money or anything else that can give you what you're looking for. Oh, 
Look at this. Watch this. Matthew 7. So here's Jesus, right? He's talking to people. He says, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, look at this. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's what I want you to see. Jesus uses the examples asking for bread and asking for fish. You know what our expectation is? You know, we, we don't ask God for bread. We ask God, look, I want a Cinnabon, double cream, sugar, swirl, uh, hot with a, a gold-crusted donut. You see those gold, if you eat one of those gold donuts, don't do that. I saw something the other day. Edible gold. We put a, 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 a gold shavings or something on a donut. That we're like, I want a gold crusted donut, and I want a this swirl, and I want a this kind of beignet, and I want it to taste awesome. But I still want non-GMO, just like my baby, and vegan, and lactose free, and I and and and, and a baby Mozart, and I want a mochaccino frappuccino, extra whip with an extra shot of espresso, and I want it served up with a little strawberry on the side. That's all I ask for, God, but I need it to be happy. How about let's start with some bread? Can we start with bread? You know why we don't ask for bread? You know why we don't like bread? Because bread doesn't work on Instagram and bread doesn't work on Facebook. There's nothing flashy about bread. Bread's not amazing, but I'm telling you, bread plus Jesus is more than amazing. And you know what God likes to do? You ask God for bread, you know what he does? I'll give you, I will give you exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could think or ask. What about my dream? What about my vision? It's awesome. We're gonna talk about that. Listen, God gives you a dream. He gives you a vision. But I want you to think about Joseph. Remember he gave Joseph that dream? Joseph, everybody's going to bow down to me. But life didn't really go according to plan for Joseph, did it? He's in the prison. He's in Potiphar's house. I, I, I guarantee you this. When he was in the prison, Joseph was not saying, God, I just believe you to rule over all of Egypt. He didn't even know that was in his future. He had no idea what it was. But you know what it said Joseph did know? He knew God was with him. He knew God would bring him through. See, it's less about our faith and more about his faithfulness. Do you see? Yes, we take a step of faith. Yes, we step out in faith. But then we trust God and we know he's gonna work all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Church, we need to right-size our expectations and let God be God. Let me tell you something. Some of you, you're doing better than you think. Your marriage is doing better than you think. Your kids are doing better than you think. You're doing better than you think in your career. The enemy, he comes after you. See, see, the gift 
gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So the enemy can't take your calling from you, but you know what he'll do? He'll attack your confidence and he'll throw you a curveball. He'll throw you disappointment. He'll throw you pain. He'll try to get you focused under the sun that it's all about the darkness and the problems and the pain under the sun. But we need to remember we're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Uh, we li- our life is under the sun, but we live above the sun. Remember uh, when John the Baptist went to prison? You remember that? Can I have an extra five minutes? Five minutes. It's five. Did you say 10? Yeah, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. I got 15 over there. 15, 15, I got 21, 25, 25, 25. No. I've always wanted to do that. It'd be great if those guys could somehow preach like that. Tell you what, that'd be a quick, they could get like 40 minutes into like five minutes, right? If you could just process it. Remember when John, the, how many of you, you know, familiar with John the Baptist, made the way for Jesus, baptized Jesus? But then remember when Jesus' ministry got up and going and, and Jesus was huge crowds and healing all kinds of people and, and John got thrown in prison. How many of you are familiar with that? You know what, if you're not, well, this is what happened. So John gets thrown in prison. Now look, he saw the Spirit of God descending on Jesus. I mean, he, he, he looked at Jesus and said, there's a Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But now later on in John's life, he's in prison. Life didn't go the way he expected it to go. I'm sure he kind of thought, well, Jesus is going to increase, I'm going to decrease. But you know, I'm going to hang out with Jesus some. I'll be like the guy, like, yeah, yeah, I baptized him. That's right. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of go out and retire out in the wilderness, you know, get me a farm with locusts and honey or whatever he liked to do. But no, he got thrown in prison. And here's what John did, even after all of that. John sends a delegation to Jesus to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? <laughs> what? Wow, did his perspective go from above the sun? to under the sun based on his circumstance and what he was expecting to happen that didn't happen. He sends a delegation. He says, are you the, you the Messiah or should we look for another? And Jesus says this, you tell John the gospel is preached, the dead are raised, the sick are healed, the hungry are fed, and blessed is the one who's not offended in me. John was a little bit offended at how his path had turned out. He was expecting a different path. Let me ask you something. Are you offended at the life God's given you? Are you offended with where you are in life because it wasn't according to your plan? You know, two things that I watch a lot of are college football and college baseball. And uh, I really like college playoffs and the College World Series and all that. 
And uh, if you look at the really good hitters, I, I know I just, I can't speak from experience with professional baseball, but all the really good hitters, it's, it's interesting when those good hitters get up there and, and the pitchers know it, it's, it's like this. Those good hitters, they're never expecting just a straight fastball over the middle. When they get up there, it's like, here comes a curve. It's high and inside. Pitch, they might try to hit him with a pitch or it's a slider or a changeup or whatever like that. If they get a pitch down the middle, just a straight up fastball, that's like a bonus. Like, wow. Oh my gosh, an actual straight up fastball pitch down the middle. Bam. Do you see what I'm saying? Many of us watch. We won't even get in the batter's box because we don't like the pitches that life is throwing at us because somehow we've got these unrealistic expectations that in order to get a hit, we need an easy pitch, just an easy fastball right down the middle. God is saying this, look, you get in the batter's box, you take a swing, Come on, life is not going to send you a pitch down the middle every time. You'll get, one, you'll get one every now and then, and let's thank God for it. But here's what I'm trying to say. You can hit every pitch that's thrown at you. If your expectations are right. Think about quarterbacks. Who are the best quarterbacks? They call a play. They come to the line of scrimmage. They're hoping that the defense lines up in a defense that goes with the play they called. But if it's a good defense, with a good defensive coordinator, almost every time that quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage, it's not the defense they were hoping for. So what does he do? He checks in to another play that'll better work with the defense that was handed to him. Are you following me? Some of you, you need to check into another play. That's not what was handed you. You were hoping that something was gonna work out one way. You were hoping that something was gonna turn out a different way, but that's not been handed to you, and it, 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 that's not been given to you like that, and we're sitting there on the sidelines, and we're saying, I'm not going in until life gives me what I want so I can be successful. What God is saying is you already are successful and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Bring the curveballs, bring the change-ups, switch the defense on me. I got Jesus. I got the power of God. So watch, I'm ending here. Uh, here's, 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 hold on, I just... I need two more minutes. Ready? Two more. Two more. I'm going to give you what to expect. Are you ready? This is your 100% expectation as long as we are living under the sun. Okay? We have an above the sun perspective, but our life is under the sun. This is 100%. Are you ready? Here's what to expect. Expect problems. Can I have an amen? amen. Expect problems. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Through many tribulations, we inherit the kingdom of God. If a man falls down, he's got to get back. Or if or a wicked man falls once, he'll lay there. A righteous person, what? He falls seven times. 
Did you see what that was saying? That's saying the, the righteous are going to get beat up seven times more. Than maybe, but what does he do? He gets back up all the more. You're going to have problems. Absolutely. Expect that. But you know what else? Expect power. Expect power. For every problem that you have, you expect that you've got more than enough power from above the sun for God to move under the sun in whatever you're facing. And this is how Paul finished that of Philippians 4, 11, and 12. Don't forget verse 13. Look, I can do what? All things. I know how to base. I know how to abound. I know how to be in one. I know how to have plenty. That really doesn't matter. You know why? Because I can do all things through who? Through Christ who strengthens me. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You got a marriage problem? God's got more power for your marriage. You got a problem on the job? God's got more power for you. You're sick? He's got healing power for you. You're confused? He's got peace power for you. I'm telling you, let's expect problems, but all the more, let's expect the power of God because we are more than conquerors in Him who loved us. Come on, come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.